Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for being here. We are in Nehemiah chapter 4. I think we should be able to get through this chapter tonight. Uh, we went through several weeks on chapter 3 where they're talking about the walls and where everybody was working and, and how, where everything was. Um, but realize as we, go, as we begin this that it's going to take Nehemiah 52 days and his group to build the wall. And when we start chapter 4, the wall is not done. Even though we've read chapter 3 on where everybody's working and where the, you know, the locations, the, this chapter is now taking place uh, when the enemies begin to realize that the Jews are building the wall. And the enemies are going to come. You can see on the first page right there, uh, there's a map similar to this. You've got four enemies uh, that will come up here and throughout the rest of the book. You've got in Samaria to the north. And notice how Judea is landlocked. It's surrounded by land. Samaria, the enemy to the north, Sanballat, or Sanballat, who is really going to be the, every time his name is mentioned, it's the first one mentioned in the list. So he's probably the instigator, the leader. There's going to be Tobiah, who's going to be in Samaria tonight when we go through this in chapter 4. He's over here with Sanballat. So he's the Ammonite, and so they're on this side. They've actually got territory on the other side of the Jordan. They've expanded over to the west banks of the Jordan. And then you've got the Arabs down here who've come up out of the southern Arabian Peninsula up in and taken the Edomites' territory. The Edomites have moved into the Negev because Judea's been you know, in captivity. So they've moved up here where uh, Geshem, who is the governor of, the, of Arabia, He's moved up in here and is camping or has got a palace way up here on the border side. So the, the Arabs are up here on the southern side. And we're going to have a mention of Ashdod tonight. The Ashdodites are on the west side. And they're all going to be, first it starts off in Samaria, but by the end of the chapter, these are all coming together to figure out what are we going to do. Because again, if Judea gets built, it's going to cut in on their power, their resources. And also, I'll mention... Uh, all the, uh, the uh, caravan routes, Judea is isolated from. You've got the King's Highway, as you know, comes right down here through the, uh, the Rift Valley. Uh, you can branch off of that and go across, here in, across the Jordan into the Megiddo Valley or Jezreel Valley and go across here and pick up the coastal plain or the coastal highway. It comes along the coast, the flat land here. This is going to be a coast, so it's flat. Then you get into the hills, the, the rolling foothills, and then you get into what we call the mountainous region. Then it drops back down into the Rift Valley. And so there's a, a tra caravan route here that's easy to move routes back and forth. Caravan route here. It goes across up here in the north. And then anything coming from the south connecting into these is all blocked off by the Arabs or blocked off by the Ammonites, blocked off by Samaria, or blocked off by Ashdod. So Judea is cut off from those, those connection routes. And so that's going to be some of the issues we're facing. Uh, Sanballat's going to have two basic attacks. He's going to first try to intimidate, you know, slander, uh, say things that will, you know, degrade them and make them give up. And once that doesn't work and they continue to build, he's going to begin to take military action and actually threaten physical violence. And that's going to be his two faces. And it's going to be interesting to see Nehemiah go through this. And Nehemiah is uh, organized as a man of action and is doing, getting things done, but is definitely a man of prayer and goes to God in prayer and leads the people to God because he sees himself, which is we would see the same thing, 
that this is God's plan, as according to the prophets, to come back from captivity, to rebuild the temple, to rebuild Jerusalem, to reoccupy. We've got the prophets Haggai, Zechariah already saying that. So these people know they're in God's will if they can remember it. And Nehemiah it is, is reminding them we're doing the right thing. So all these enemies are in opposition to not just the Jews, but in opposition to God's plan. And instead of cooperating and helping, they are actually trying to stop it, which puts them in a very bad position. So I will read through without comment, I hope, through the NIV. It's only 23 verses. And this is our chapter night, and then we'll go to the notes and try and draw some things out that may not be quite as obvious. Here we go. Chapter 4, verse 1. Uh, when Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews, and in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, five things, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble, burnt as they are? Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, What they are building, if even a fox climbed up on it, he could break down their wall of stones. Now that's kind of like their pep rally. They're up here, they're having a pep rally. They go, what is going on? This is ridiculous. The media is there, cameras are there, talking points are made. And they're sending it out, leaking all kinds of information to the Jews. You're losers, you'll never get this done. So that's their first phase. Now, Nehemiah prays. He hears this information. So again, it's not like a secret information. You know, if it was today, it'd be on all the news channels. There'd be people tweeting about it, being interviewed as they left the meeting. And Nehemiah would be watching it. He'd be getting a Twitter feed. Uh, so he says this, Hear us, O our God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight. For they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. Those that are trying to do your will, they're insulting them. You take care of them. So, verse 6. So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height. So again, they're about halfway done. For the people worked with all their heart. So far, they're excited, they're working, they're showing up. They, all, they don't have really any opposition from the enemy, just a lot of insults, a lot of media you know, chatter. But it's no real problem. But because he got halfway through, Sanballat, now you're going to hear the enemy list is going to grow. But when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the men of Ashdod heard that the repairs to Jerusalem's wall had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. Going to cause, you know, some distraction. Not so much that they want to kill these people, but they want them distracted, protecting them from the military. And, uh, if, you know, if they kill a few people, now they're going to have to be, they won't have time to build a wall. They're too busy, worried about protecting themselves. But we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out, meaning reality setting in. Uh, we posted a guard, they're taking care of that issue, but meanwhile, Nehemiah is saying, my home group, uh, they're telling me, we can't do this. 
and there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Again, that, take that and understand that. There's, it's not just a new, new construction. I mean, you've ever done a remodel? And if you've ever done new construction, who wants to remodel their house? Who wants to just buy an empty lot and do new construction? I mean, I've done both. It's like you start with a new lot and just everything's new, everything's square, all the lumber stacked up. Remodel, you've got to rip it out. I didn't know it was this bad. Now you've got, you know, got mold setting in. You've got to go deeper and deeper. And then you've got a crooked corner. You've got a leaning wall. It's like, oh, my gosh, you spent all your time. So that's what these guys are. Okay, we'll talk about that more later. So they're realizing they're not just building a wall. They're building it in junk, out of junk that's been burnt. See, there's no one bringing them new stones. This is not Solomon's temple where they're cutting stones and rolling stones in. Uh, they're picking up out of the burnt, charred remains what they're building this wall with. Also, our enemy said before, and this is now a new rumor they start. Now, this is their talking point on CNN. Also, our enemy said, before they know it or see us, we'll be right there among them and we will kill them and put an end to this work. Yeah, they won't even see us coming. First thing they know is they're dead. The work's over. They either stop now or we kill you and you stop then. But they're not going to get this done. They don't even know where we're at. We're, we're right among We've come across the border. We're living in their cities. We're living in their communities. We're their neighbors. Whenever we want to, we'll jump them and end the whole thing. They don't know where we're at. That's their talking points. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us ten times over. That means over everybody, from every direction. Nehemiah keeps having people report. I heard a report. I heard this. I heard this. And it's like they're all bringing him the same report. So this is a leaked information. Everybody was telling me ten times over, over and over, all day long, I keep hearing the same report. I got secret information. What is it? Wherever you turn, they will attack us. It's on the news. That's what they want you to think. That's what they want everyone saying. They're, they're giving you propaganda. Therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. And I looked things over. I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers and your sons and your daughters, your wives, and your homes. So in other words, you can see there's a, there's, we'll talk about that little speech. He's going to have, you know, don't be afraid. Remember the Lord, and you need to fight for your families and your homes. When our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, meaning we got organized, we didn't like quit, instead we built a military. Uh, we're going to kill you. Okay, well, we'll build a military. You're going to build a military? You're just supposed to quit. No, we're going to fight back. Well, it's, oh, man, this is going to be a lot more work than we thought. When our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the wall, each to his own work. But now how they return is different. And I'll, I'll explain this to you when you get into the, the, the notes. From that day on, half of my men did the work. Now notice right there that phrase, half of my men. That's going to be important. You don't have to agree with me, but it's going to clarify some things. Half of my men did the work, while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and armor. The officers posted themselves behind the people of Judah. Now, what's that mean? Are they, the leaders just standing back there cheering for them? Who were building the wall, 
those who carried materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon in the other. And each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked. So what you've got right there is actually three groups of people. And I'll try to identify them for you more clearly. But the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. Then I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, the work is extensive and spread out. We are widely separated from each other along, along the wall. You, can, you know, they're all spread out. Whenever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. Our God will fight for us. So here, this is the battle scene. Lay stuff down and come here and fight off the enemy here. So we continued the work with half the men holding spears from the first light of dawn till the stars came out. At that time, I also said to the people, now they've got two more problems. Have every man and his helper stay inside Jerusalem at night so they can serve us as guards by night and workmen by day. See, not everybody lives in Jerusalem. Very few people live in Jerusalem. We're going to find out as the book goes on, the population is small. They live in communities around. So they'd work and then they'd go home. Well, that's going to cause a problem for ambush and imposters. So Nehemiah makes the rule, no one goes home. You're here to work on the wall. We're not going to leave and have all this confusion of checkpoints and who's working and who's not. And then you get ambushed on the way home. You're to stay here and work. Neither I nor my brothers nor my men, again, my men, nor the guards with me took off their clothes. Each had his weapon, even when we, he went for water. They're all they're fully dressed for 52 days. They're going to be fully dressed. No one leaves the city. We're going to do three things. We're going to work, we're going to sleep, and we're going to post guard. You're either working, sleeping, or on guard. That's what we're going to do. Well, I don't want that kind of life. It's not your life. It's 52 days. You want to get the job done or not? And again, if they get the wall built, that's going to be part of the guard or part of the protection. Okay, that is the NIV reading of the word. Now we go to the English Standard Version on the notes. And here we go. Repeat these things. Chapter 4, verse 1. Now when Sanballat heard that we were building the wall, he was angry and greatly enraged and jeered the Jews. And in the two boxes down there, the words angry and greatly enraged are he burned or be kindled with anger and be vexed or angry. And it is very, he's very angry. This is not what he wants. One of the reasons he's going to be frustrated is this is not... Uh, an enemy uh, versus enemy. This is not someone that is a criminal and he's coming against your plans. This is Samaria, which is a province of Artaxerxes' empire, and Judea with Artaxerxes' governor, with Artaxerxes' paperwork, that he has got permission to build the city. Right here, so far, they've been able to manipulate the situation, but Nehemiah shows up with the emperor's approval, with the paperwork. In fact, he's got Persian military possibly with him, including their weapons. And Sanballat is like, there's nothing, he, can't, uh, he can't appeal, he can't do, it's like, I have no option. And so he's going to run a risk here because if, you, if we read through that chapter, he's challenging another province to a military confrontation. Now, if you're Artaxerxes and you hear about it and they can communicate very well, we've talked about the road system, the writing of letters back and forth. If they find out that Nehemiah is down here doing the king's work of rebuilding the city and Sanballat and all these people around are 
preventing it and have brought military and are at war with Judea. You can't be at war with Judea. I mean, it'd be like, you know, closest thing I can think of is two brothers fighting in the back seat of my van on the way to Omaha. It's like, no, we're not having a war here, and it's going to upset the driver of the van, if you understand what I'm saying. So, uh, and then the word I got circled there, mock, means to mock, deride, stammer. And he's going to start to jeer. And he's going to start saying things about the Jews. Now, he's not, again, he's not just going to be saying it to the people close to him. He's going to be, and we understand, I, I was saying it earlier, and I'm, I'm, I'm trying, I, I'm not, it ends up being silly, but it, it, we can understand. He's going to be making public statements that are going to get back to the Jews. You can't do this. Who are you? I mean, there's so many reasons you're going to fail. Uh, he's slandering them, and it's, it's on the news. They hear it. Again, they've got a different way of reporting news, different way of getting information out. But the Jews are hearing that they're a bunch of losers, and all these governors around here, and they have been. They've been second, third-rate citizens. They have no wall around their capital city. They just got back from captivity. These people have occupied the land ever since they left in 586 B.C. So these people, it's their territory. And now the Jews are back, and it's like you can't accomplish anything. And the Jews is trying to get, they're trying to get in the, kick, the Jews' head. Uh, verse 1, or point 1, we were building the wall, indicates that these events take place with the building organized in chapter 3 and taking place. Again, so it says we were, even at the beginning, it says we were building these walls. Uh, for, point 2, Sambalet's first line of opposition is intimidation, mocking, taunting. Sambalet is always mentioned first, so he's the leader of these groups, it would appear. Tobiah the Ammonite, or from Tobias. Now here, right here, is the province of Tobias, which is part of Trans-Euphrates. You've got Moab, Ammon, and Gilead, which is all part of another thing called Trans-Euphrates. Uh, he's over here in Samaria at this meeting. Sambalet was very angry. Uh, I point A there. That's what I just said. It's, it's a legal project. He's got no legal option to come against him. Samlet is mocking, and then he's going to threaten military. That's A and B. Point four, Israel's enemies angry about the plan. And there I just broke down what I did earlier. To the north, the east, all the enemies, and I've got a map just like this one, except I've got little arrows, and they're, basically they're surrounded. They're, you know, I've drawn up. We, had, we don't know Geshem's name yet. That's coming up in chapter 5 and 6. But the leader of the Arabs is Geshem. So we know this leader, Samlet, Tobias, and Geshem, and they're all right here right here and actually having crossed over there on the west bank of the Jordan and and uh, Geshem is up in here uh, at, at, at Lachish with a palace there and so uh, they're surrounding they're, they're surrounded and they don't, don't want them to succeed okay turn the page two um, Point six is what I was saying earlier about the, the supply lines coming down. They're all cut off from all the supply lines from the south, the north, the east, the west. And so it's chapter 4, verse 2. And he, that would be Sanballat, up here somewhere in Samaria, uh, he said in the presence of his brothers and of the army of Samaria. So there's a military and his brothers, that doesn't mean sibling, that would mean his brothers in arms, his brothers in purpose. For example, Tobias would be one of his brothers in this purpose. So those that are on his side would be his leaders. And again, the press would be there. You've got the press secretary. You've got people ask, asking questions. And he's going to basically say, he's got five statements. And he's, he's motivating the military. 
He's motivating his group, anybody that's, you know, in the media, on staff, in the community. He's going to ask them these rhetorical questions, and the answer for every one of the questions is, no, the Jews can't do it. No, that's impossible. It, it's a losing. And he's saying, this is ridiculous. And here's the five questions. I'll read them here. And he said, in the presence of his brothers and of the army of Samaria, with full intention, I'm adding, that it's going to leak out to the Jews. What are these feeble Jews doing? Again, there's an insult. Will they restore it for themselves? Are they going to do this by themselves? Are they going to need someone to help them? Will they sacrifice? We'll talk about what does that sacrifice mean. It doesn't mean like, are they willing to give up sacrifice? It means probably some kind of ritual, an opening or closing sacrifice. Will they finish up in a day? And will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish and burned ones at that? And those are the five things that are all supposed to be, no, they can't. And here's probably what they mean. Now, I, I did this just because I thought it was interesting. I'm not sure if I can pull it off here tonight. But I've underlined each of those statements where it says feeble, uh, restore, sacrifice, uh, finish, and then revive. I've got those words underlined there in the Hebrew with a little definition among them. And I've got them written out there. If you would read them, it, it's almost, you talk about like a rhythm or a talking point, a word play. They all start with a ha. You see, I've got them in point two. I've got them in bold letters written across there. The first question has the word, and again, I'm not going to be able to say these as excellently as I would like. But ha amalalim. Ha ya azba bu, ha yazbahu, ha he kalu, he he you. So you can imagine he's giving this like this uh, press conference. He's got this rhythm going. He's giving this speech, and he's got this language. It sounds if you could say that in Hebrew better than I could, you can hear that have like this little rhythm. It's like you know like a rap song or something. It's got kind of like a a, a wordplay. It's coming up a couple times later. So those are the words that he's using. And here's probably what the statements would mean. A, what are these feeble Jews doing? The word feeble is from the word amela, amelel, which means from the root word meaning weak or languishing. They're not strong enough, so they're weak. They're, they're too weak. They, they, they physically, emotionally, financially, these are a broken people. They're not strong enough to get build a wall. I mean, we're talking about cities build walls, not a broken people. So these people, they don't have the capacity, the capability. Next, will they restore it for themselves? And that word restore means to leave, forsake, or lose. So there's some discussion in, in commentaries and in the text trying to decide what is being said here. But basically this is the ideal of, are they going to be able to do it by themselves? Meaning, don't they need help? Isn't someone going to help them? And who's going to help them? No one. I mean, it's like, they, they're going to do it by themselves? I don't think so. What have they done? They've been here for how many years? They're not going to get anything done. And then will they sacrifice? And this sacrifice is going to refer to some kind of an actual offering. Some kind of a, for example, you may have uh, the, page 3.1, the foundation sacrifice. Whenever you build a, a building or a city, uh, you can often find the foundation stone. When they talk about excavations and, and finding ancient temples, especially in the Middle East, Mesopotamia, 
they'll find the foundation stone. That is, uh, before the building is done, everything's all set up flat, and then the king will set the foundation stone, and maybe there's an inscription that's dedicated to this God by this king, and kind of, and that would be, that would involve not just setting the stone, but involve some kind of a sacrifice. So it might be, are they going to be able to actually sacrifice the foundation stone, have a sacrifice for the foundation stone? Or it could refer to, like we already saw in chapter 3, uh, they, they, the priests built the north wall, the sheep gate, and then they sanctified it. They, they, they had a sacrifice for it. They, they dedicated to it. They didn't dedicate every gate, but they dedicated the sheep gate and that north wall. The priests did. Could be referring to that. And possibly more likely would be the dedication sacrifice at the end. Are you going to be able to have a dedication you think you're going to actually have a dedication ceremony when you're all done and sacrificed? And that's chapter 12. The, indeed, that's the, the map right there is the sacrifice. That is the answer to that question. Will you be able to have a dedication sacrifice? Yep, they're going to pull it off. So that, that offering, will you have, you know, the dedication, will you be able to have the final offering when it's complete? No. Yeah, I mean, come on, guys. And then the next one, uh, will, you, will they finish it in a day? And the ideal of a day is not like, oh, it's going to be happening really fast. It's like, that's how much energy and attention you've got. You, you've got the ability to focus on this wall probably until 5 o'clock this evening. And then you're all going to quit. So are you going to be done with the wall by 5 o'clock tonight? I don't think so. You're going to, if you can do it in a day, okay, maybe. But you're going to have to do it for weeks, months. Your whole life is going to be dedicated to this wall. You don't have the attention span. You're weak. You've got your short on attention or ability or whatever. So you're weak. You need help doing it. Are you going to be able to actually have a dedication? And you don't have, you're not having enough attention. You don't have enough energy. You're going to run out of people. And finally, and this is really one of the most serious ones, will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish and burn, burn ones at that? As we talked about how the, 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 the collapsed terraces and everything's just fallen down and it's been burnt, the gates are burnt, and they still remain. No one's done anything since 586 B.C. It's just, just there. And it's, it's got stuff that's settled in it. People are throwing garbage in it. I mean, it's just, it's just a ruin. And it's like they're going to find out. That's where they break down about halfway through. It's like this is a lot of work. We didn't realize we are going to dig through the garbage dump to find stones. And so the, that's a good point. Will you be able to revive the stones? The stones that Nebuchadnezzar knocked down and then burnt, you're going to rebuild a wall out of that. Come on, guys. They, they've been burnt. And some commentators say that may even include the idea that they've been knocked down and burnt, that these are cursed stones. There's a spiritual curse on these. You want to get rid of them, bring in some new fresh stones. And you're going to build the stones that have been destroyed by your God and burnt and cursed you're going to build a protective wall with those cursed stones. It's like, how ridiculous. And so that is, again, that would probably be a media presentation. It's gone out. It's everybody's tweeting about it. Everybody's watching it, podcasts. And the Jews are looking at it. It's like, what has Nehemiah got us into? And everybody now, they're going to start looking at him, laughing, mocking him. And Nehemiah is saying, we can do this. We can build a wall. And they're like, I don't think so. He's got five very good points. Uh, and so that is, again, uh, propaganda chapter 4 verse 3 now tobiah the ammonite from here is also over here and he's got something to say so he chimes in at the press conference tobiah the ammonite was beside him and he said yes what they are building if a fox goes up on it he will break down their stone wall now 
what they're talking about there is if this is the wall around a city and it was you know a thick wall that was protected and the babylonians or the assyrians or the romans were coming against it they would have to what they say breach the wall and these walls would be thick you remember the wall we saw uh, the broad wall in the notes uh, you know how wide it was you know 24 feet or something it's not just it's just not like a, you know stacked up rocks like you have like a little rock wall around your garden this would be several feet thick. And so if you come up and you bang against it, it's not going anywhere. So they'd build up siege ramps, and they'd be some kind of a, you know, a, a tripod here, or, or, and they'd have like something swinging back and forth. They'd have a ram's head on a pole that would swing back and forth, and they'd bring it back, boom. And at first, it'd, it'd be nothing would move. You're hitting, you know, 24 feet of rock. And that's built up, and it just, you'd hit it. But they'd just keep banging on it day after day, continually beating on it, until finally the stones would shake loose. And see, it would take weeks. Uh, you can read in Jeremiah how finally, finally on the, the day it happened, Jeremiah, Jeremiah takes note of it. They breached the wall, which means all of a sudden, things started moving on this side. Things started falling out on this side. Boom, and once they start, those rocks get moving, all of a sudden, and it comes in. And there's a, there's a hole in the wall. They've breached the wall. Now, you're not done. It's like, yay, we won. But you've breached the wall, which means now there's a weak spot, and now this is going to come down faster. This is going to come down faster. Pretty soon it's wide enough. You can bring your troops in there, and you'll hold Trojan story of the Trojan horse. You just come right in the wall that's been breached. Now, it usually take weeks or months, and sometimes it didn't even work. You just had to give up because you can't breach the wall. That's what the word, when it says here, Yes, what, they are, what are they building? If a fox goes up on it, he will breach down their stone wall. That's right. Don't think the fox one just knocks it over. That, that, yeah, you can see that in the English. He, fox walks on the walls, the stones just start falling. That's the same idea. If your pastor's teaching, you know, and the walls just fall, that's, what he, that, that's, that's close enough. But really what he's saying is, if anybody wants to get in, they're not, they don't even have to breach it like Nebuchadnezzar. You just have to, a fox goes up there and he'll, it, falls over trees, you got a breach just because a fox walked on the, on the wall. So in other words, it's not even protective. I mean, if anybody wants to get in, a fox can knock it in. It will breach the wall. So that's the idea there of it's not really even, even if they finish, even if they finish, what's it going to amount to? Come on, you guys, don't even try. Okay, now, Nehemiah hears this on CNN or NBC or reads it on Twitter, and so he goes to God in prayer. And here, it's, again, it's very interesting, his prayer. Um, Hear, O our God, for we are despised. All the news stations are broadcasting how weak we are, how pathetic we are, how a fox is going to be able to breach the wall by himself. Uh, but we know we're here because you brought us back from captivity. You're the one that wants this done. We're simply fulfilling your plan. Okay, I added that. For we are despised. Now, he says, several things. Turn back their taunt on their own heads. So turn it back. So what they are saying to us, all I'm asking is whatever they're taunting us with is just turn it back and give it to them. So they said we're weak. Make them weak. A fox can knock down our wall. A fox can breach your wall. Just whatever they've said to us, just give it back to them. And then he says, um, 
uh, turn back their taunt on their own heads and give them up to be plundered in a land where they are captives. So what he's saying there is they're going to be taken captive. They're going to fall to a siege somewhere. They'll be taken captive into a foreign land and there they'll be plundered. Whatever they have will be taken from them and they'll be captive and plundered. I mean, despised in another, another land. He's not done. That's that verse right there. Now again, I've got a little word play circled there, which is kind of interesting. The word for contempt is booza, and the word for spoil or booty is biza. And so booza, biza, uh, some would say that's intentional part of his prayer. It's a word play that would really roll off the tongue if you're well-versed in Hebrew. Uh, on top of page four, uh, basically Proverbs 26.2 is saying this part right here. Uh, which is this, like a sparrow in its flittering, like a sparrow in its flying. A curse that is causeless does not alight, or a curse that is causeless cannot come. So this, this well, their words to them are, they're sending out curses, but there's nowhere for it to land because you can't curse us because we're doing God's will. So this curse was sent out. It's like a sparrow flying around looking for a place, ah, land, where's a good place to land? The person that sent the curse is going to fly around and find a person that's guilty, and it's you, because you're the one sending the curse out. So he's basically he's just quoting Proverbs 26, 2. Um, chapter 4, verse 5. Do not cover their guilt, and let not their sin be blotted out from your sight, for they have provoked you to anger in the presence of the builders. They've offended two people, you, Lord, and the people that are doing your will. We're trying to do what you want us to do, and now they've sinned against you and sinned against the people trying to do your will. Now, do not let their sin be blotted out and do not forgive them. They've provoked you to anger. So in other words, he's saying these people have gone too far. They're never going to be forgiven. The curse is coming back. They're going to be plundered in another land and they can't change their, they can't go back. They're, they've gone too far. So that's kind of a harsh prayer if your pastor were to pray that at the end of the service on Sunday morning for, you know, whoever, you know. Interesting, it doesn't sound very Christian, if you would, but it's very real world. So we built the wall, and all the wall was joined together to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. So far, Nehemiah has been able to stay ahead of the propaganda. Everything's working well. They've got, and again, the translation is simply in, you can see point one under chapter four, verse six. Uh, the word in Hebrew, the phrase in Hebrew means up to its half, which probably means half the height. It could also mean half the length of the wall was built, which wouldn't fit, or half the width of the wall, which doesn't fit as well as half the height. But those are some options. So apparently if the wall's, you know, 20 feet high, it's about 10 feet, it's about half the height that should be at this point. So well, uh, if it's getting that far, they've made good progress in a very short time. And Sanballat, who, of course, is sending out propaganda, but he's also getting reports back. Because as we've talked about, and, and we will see later, not everybody in Jerusalem, not everybody on Nehemiah's Jewish team is on Nehemiah's side. I mean, if you can imagine a government that has some people in the government that are actually there to help support foreign powers because they're getting more advantage of being in Judea supporting the Samaritans or the Ammonites than if they're actually here serving Judea. 
And so they're in the government, they're on committees, they're on boards, they're living in the community, but they actually support Samaria and are prospering because of Samaria. And the last thing they want to do is see Judea succeed. And so they're like a double agent, if you can imagine that in someone's government. Okay, anyway, let's keep moving. So Sambalai has got people in there that is reporting back to him, and they tell him, hey, it didn't work. Everybody shut the news off, and they're just building the wall, and we're about halfway done. So, verse 7. But when Sambalet and Tobiah and the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites, Ashdodites heard that, it, that the repairing of the walls of Jerusalem was going forward and that the breaches were beginning to be closed, those are the breaches made by Nebuchadnezzar were being closed back up, they were very angry. And so you can see right there in chapter 4, verse 7, he gives that full list. Uh, and when it mentions Tobiah, we know he's from the Ammon, but it mentions Tobiah and the Ammonites both separately. So he became very angry. The taunting did not work. And I got a list of where those people are from. So it's chapter 4, verse 8. And so they all got together. So now it's not just Sambalet and Tobiah. They've reached out to Geshem, the Ashdodites, any more help from the Ammonites. And they're like, okay, we've got to get a military. We've got to get some kind of a physical aggression. And again, not so much to kill the people, although they're willing to do that, but to intimidate them to realize we've got to protect ourselves and it's just not worth dying for this wall. But when Sambalet and Tobiah and the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashadites heard that the repairing of the walls of Jerusalem was going forward and that the breaches were beginning to be closed, they were very angry once again. And they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to cause confusion. They're going to fight, and the reason for fighting is to cause confusion. So no one can get the job done. It's already hard to do. They're digging out of the rubble. Now you've got to dig out of the rubble and fight off an enemy. It's like... Just give it up. Just give it. It's too complicated. Just get the shot. I mean, you've got to wear the mask. You can't go to work. It's just, just get the shot. There's so much confusion. Just do it. And so, that, that, okay, 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 we will. Nehemiah's not having any of it. No mask, no shot. We're not doing it. We're going to build the wall. Okay, anyway. And they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to cause confusion in it. Chapter 4, verse 9. And we prayed to our God and set a guard as protection against them day and night. So we heard about it. So first thing to do is put up a guard. Now, understand in chapter 4, verse 9, that's a preliminary, uh-oh, they're going to attack. Get some guards out there. Nehemiah is going to, in the rest of this chapter, is going to refine that military process, that guarding, the, that's going to become refined. And that's what a lot of the rest of this chapter is about. So they get someone up there right away, but Nehemiah is realizing we've got to step this up. So, in Judah, it was said, and so now they've got the guard, they're working, but again, they're, 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 it is causing confusion. They are thinking, it's like, we're not just building a wall, there's people that are trying to kill us, where are they at? And so, chapter 4, verse 10, the strength of those who bear the burden is failing. There is too much rubble, by ourselves, we were not able to rebuild the wall. See that right there? by ourselves and that was that second point that i'd written up here that sanballat says you're going to do it yourself they're going to do it themselves it's like these are now saying we can't do it ourselves that's what sanballat said it's it's happening just like he wanted they're getting finally the military is break, now the, the threat of military action is breaking them down chapter 4 verse 11 and our enemy said 
they will not know or see till we come among them and kill them and stop the work. And like I said before, that's now the second wave of propaganda. You don't know where we're at. You may be building the wall on this side, looking that way, and boom, you're dead. And you can't finish the wall. Why? Because you're dead. So, you've got one of two choices. Die building the wall and you won't finish it, or just quit building the wall and live. Either way, the wall is going to not be built. You're going to die building it, or you're going to quit not build it. But you never know where we're at. We're lurking behind every stone, every tree. Every time you turn around, every time you get a drink of water, boom, we're there. And now fear is setting in. And it's, it's, it's real. It's going to be followed up with action. They do, they, and so that, that's what they said. And they're not just saying it to each other up in Samaria. They're saying it. They're broadcasting it. They're trying to, again, intimidate it. At that, that you could call it a leak, a governmental leak, if you want to. At that time, the Jews who lived near them came from all directions and said to us ten times, you must return to us. Now, that's the English Standard Version. So Nehemiah says, at that time, while we're working on the wall, ten times they came from every direction, the Jews, and they said this statement, uh, you must return to us. That's how the English Standard translates it. So they're reporting probably what they're hearing on the news or in the rumor mill, and it can mean basically these things. Uh, the idea that it says 10 times means over and over, nonstop. I kept hearing the same report. We can't build one. I'm not going to be at work today. I can't work today either. It's like, I'm going to be, you know, and it's like, okay, Nehemiah's got a problem. But here's what they thought Nehemiah, they were telling Nehemiah. A, Sambalat says we must return and cooperate with him or else we are dead. We must return to him. You've got to stop working for Nehemiah and get back in line and work for Samaria. Or, uh, Sambalet is coming against us to kill us. They're coming, they're coming, they're coming to get us. So somewhere in that is the idea that they're reporting to Nehemiah. Nehemiah, did you hear? It's not safe out there. They're, they're going to kill us. Sambalet says we've got to return to him, otherwise you're not going to have a job. We're in, all in trouble. It's like, and they, again, one, God is in charge, and two, Artaxerxes says build this. Sambalet, again, is intimidating, but one, he's against God, and God is against him. Two, he's against Artaxerxes. So if Artaxerxes finds out what Sambalet's doing, there's going to be a fallout there also. So now Nehemiah's got to manage this. Now you can imagine uh, a weak leader would just cave in uh, because the people have already given up. At that time, the Jews who lived near them came from all directions and said to us ten times, you must return to us. Chapter 4, verse 13. So in the lowest parts of the space behind the wall, in open places, I stationed the people by their clans with their swords, their spears, and their bows. So, again, what does that mean in the lowest space behind the wall in the open places? Probably, just like by the end of the chapter, no one's leaving the city. Just stay here until it's built. No one's taking your clothes off. Just stay dressed. He's going to have everybody because we know how they're, where they're working at in these locations, the, the, by the families and the clans at your location, by the low place in the wall, this is going to be your camp. This is where you're staying. So stay here. And he organized them by families and clans. And they're going to be a building group, a building unit, but also a military unit. He's militarizing the builders. So what we had on this map right here is there you've got your workers. That's going to become now... Uh, possibly the divisions of a thousand men or whatever uh, and that, that would be if you go back to the Old Testament uh, 
when they'd break them down into divisions, it'd be a division of 1,000 men by clan, by family, and they would go to war together. They'd, they'd train together, they'd go to war together, they'd live together, and that's what he'd done. He just followed the Old Testament principle. Here it is again in what he says. So in the lowest parts of the space behind the wall, in the open places, I stationed the people by their clans with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And so now they're by family. You're working on this location, but you're also living at this location, and you're also watching guard at this location right here. That sounds like a terrible way to live. It's 52 days. You want to build the wall or not? Get it done. Chapter 4, verse 14. And I looked and I and arose and said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. So he gets everybody together, gives a speech. Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. So three things. The, the enemy, again, they're just a lot of talk. They're no different than you are. Don't be afraid of them. They can't do anything that we can't do. Plus, remember your God, the Lord. He is the awesome God. He is the one who destroyed this place. He's the one who brought us back. He's the one that wants us building it. The Lord is working for us. Don't fear this, but fear this. But in a good sense, he's on your side. And remember, you're going to be fighting, and then he makes it personal. Uh, you're going to be fighting for your, your brothers, the man next to you, your sons, your daughters, your wives, your homes. This is your future. This is your family. You're, you're, the Lord is helping you, but you're fighting for your own self. Ha, have, some, have some confidence. Get out there and do it yourself. It, it, it's your place. It's your home. It's your city. The Lord is with you. Now get out there and take action. Don't let these guys scare you. So that's, that's his message. Um, chapter 4, verse 15. When our enemies heard that it was known to us and that God had frustrated their plan, we all returned to the wall each to his work. So he got everybody together. There were people backing off, not showing up for work. And once the enemy, because people were listening in and going, they're in the crowd of Nehemiah, go, hey, man, you know, yeah, you know, vote for Trump, you know, or whatever. And then, you know, they got the mega hat on and uh, let's breach the Capitol or whatever. And, uh, and they're all, then they go back and go like, yeah, I was at the rally and they're, they're all going to start building again. So now it's like, ah, now they're frustrated. And Sam Bullitt realizes, you know, my report, you know, uh, whatever, whoever the guy's name is. I'm trying to think what the guy's name was. That was, didn't get tried. Um, uh, they all went back to work. Now, chapter 4, verse 16, from that day on. Now, this is that phrase, half my servants. Now, this right here, I'm going to do this, and you don't have to agree with this. Nehemiah is just saying here, my servants. Now, as governor of this area, all, everyone, all the citizens are, in a sense, his servants. They are his responsibility. So they all are responding to him. They could call them, and people do, uh, Nebuchadnezzar's servants. You know, they could address themselves uh, uh, as a servant, you know. Uh, that could be it. And, and a lot of people just read by it like, that must be what he's talking about. I'm going to say, no, Nehemiah's got his own staff. He's got his own guard and staff. Remember when he came from Babylon? He didn't, or Susa, he didn't come from, he came from Susa, Ezra came from Babylon. He didn't come like by himself. He came with a military escort. This may be, this may be part Persian. These guys may be Persian 
on commission by Artaxerxes with Persian uniforms, Persian equipment. Uh, they could be Jews that are with him. Uh, it's probably a combination of both by this time. I mean, it's not just Nehemiah. I don't, he, he's got paperwork. He's got military. We're going to get into the weapons here. And don't, be, don't just read through these weapons like, ah, oh, they're just, everybody's got these compound bows and all these spears and body armor. I mean, it's like, yeah, everybody get your body armor out and your, your, you know, your, your tanks and your airplanes. It's like Nehemiah's got these kind of resources. like, the, the Jews don't have this. So this, I'm going to say and, and make this presentation, this is his personal guard and his personal staff. And when he says, from that day on, half of my servants worked on construction and half held spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail. Now understand, that's not everybody in Jerusalem. That's the men with me. And what you've got there is you've got the spears and shields are for close combat. You've got a shield and a spear, and that's up front in your face combat. And then you've got bows and body armor or coats of mail the bows are compound bows that shoot at a distance they're not like you know little you know twigs that shoot little things back and forth they've got a distance of what would you say i think i've got it written down here 700 feet or 700 yards seven football fields and accuracy for a skilled a bowman at 300 to 400 yards so i mean you're shooting across the football field three to four times that length accurately. And so these are not just your Jews from the neighborhood with their compound bows and their body armor with that skill set. So his, his guards are close combat and distance. And they're going to be a station for that very thing. They're positioned around for hand, uh, hand-to-hand combat with shields and spears. But they're also positioned like snipers all around the city with compound bows and body armor or coats of mail. That's his people. Half of them are working. They're not all just standing there, you guys get to work. Half of his guards and staff, half the Persians, if there's Persians with him, it doesn't say for sure, uh, they're working on the wall. Now you're going to get into the rest of the people. And we're going we're to say there's going to be this group called the leaders, and there's going to be, see if I can spell the carriers, Carriers, I think they spelled carriers right. Leaders and carriers. These leaders are going to be the masons. They're going to be the ones doing the building. They're going to be the ones on the wall. Now, if you've done any construction, which I know you have, uh, it's one thing to, I've roofed by myself and I've roofed with a crew. It's one thing to roof by yourself. And I, I shingled my house by myself 20 years ago. Then I hired it the next time. But nonetheless, uh, it took me a month. I mean, you've got to carry every shingle up. You've got to open every bundle. And then you've got to put the shingle. And then you've got to reach, get another shingle. You maybe lay them out. But you've got to lay them out. You've got to nail the whole deal. Now, if you're with the crew, and if you ever watch those crews, I mean, it's, it's you go walk to the neighborhood and you see a crew. There's a guy sitting up with a bundle of shingles. And they're just like, like machines. They, and they do them in a day. Okay, I, I don't have time for this. No, I don't, but I'm going to do it. Uh, but no, I, I, shingled my, I shingled my house, I don't know, 20 years ago. Took me the month of June. I took, sh- stripped all the shingles off, shingled the whole thing. It took me a month. I mean, I worked, still teaching Bible class at night. I had the summer off from school, but I was still teaching Bible class three, four times a week. I think four or five times back then. But nonetheless, 
uh, I had kids at home. Then one day, sometime in July, I had to take my son to cross-country practice. That always bugged me. School's a mile from our house. The school's a mile from our house. They're going to cross-country practice where they're going to run 8 to 12 miles. I need a ride. Why? To cross-country practice. Run to cross-country practice. Can you pick me up? Can you pick me up? I'm done with cross-country. No. Run home. It's a mile. Walk home. But I was weak, and I took him to cross-country practice. So I'd drive up, take him to school. Now, when I was driving away that morning, the neighbors, a, a, a shingling crew was pulling in. They had their trucks there, and there were guys up there they were starting to strip off shingles, just kind of getting started. I came back home, and they were up there laying out the tar paper. And uh, I went in the house, and I was working on something, probably writing a book or something in the summer. And uh, it was noon, time to go pick up my kid from cross-country practice. And when I drove home, do you know what they were doing? They weren't breaking for lunch. They were packing up. They were done. I mean, not like done for the day, but like done going to do another roof that afternoon. They, they did a whole roof in one. By the time I took my kid to practice, he ran practice, I picked my kid up, they did, and I thought, I sat on my roof for a whole month. I went up and down the ladder 70, 80 times. I mean, maybe 120 times. I carried, and, you know, nonetheless. Now, my point. If you're going to have to go down in the rubble and pull out the rocks, carry it up, and then set it in place, and while you were gone, three other guys came up and did, this ain't right, and you've you got all this commotion, you're going to have two groups right here. You're going to have the leaders... They're going to be on the wall, the masons, they're on the wall, and people are bringing them stones. They're building the wall, sitting on the wall. It's like, well, that's an easy job. Okay, call it, you can have that job then. The carriers are not going to be doing the building. They're carriers. They're going to be going down through the rubble, picking up whatever, and bringing it up, putting it maybe in a stack, maybe in a row, or however, you know, however they got the system. And they're carrying. They're not building. They're carrying. Does that make sense? So you've got this first group. This is Nehemiah's group. They probably got a similar system. He's got his in two groups. They're building and protecting. Then the rest of the people have got two groups. Now, that's, that's what, this is what this is going to be saying. And you don't have to agree with me, but that makes sense. Chapter 4, verse 16. From that day on, half my servants worked on construction, half held spears and shields for close combat, bows and coats of mail for distance, and the leaders stood behind the whole house of Judah. They stood behind... They, well, they just stood back and just cheered. They're stood behind. They're up on the wall behind. We're all, well, they're standing behind. That's what I'm reading this. They stood behind. That's the translation. Here it is. And then verse 17. Stood behind those who were, let me read this again. Uh, and the leaders stood behind the whole house of Judah who were building the wall. Those who carried burdens were loaded in such a way that each labored on the work with one hand and held his weapon with the other. That's these guys. These guys, and the word weapon, it, it, it's a word that even in the Ugaric text, it refers to some kind of a, a javelin, some kind of a missile, and it can be something very elite, or it can be a stone. It's, it's something that you're going to hurl. It's a, it's a hurling weapon. So these carriers are with one hand got a basket or a, a bag or some kind of a, 
you know, a balance beam. They're carrying with one hand the stones up to the builders. And with the other hand, they've got a weapon, which is a missile, which could be a spear or it could be just a stone. You're picking up stones, make sure you've got a stone in your hand and throw it and run for cover, whatever. That's the carriers are doing that. Now that's different than the leaders. You always hear this story. You know, they, they worked, with, had that, worked with one hand and carried a weapon with one hand and worked with the other hand. That's the carriers. Now watch this. Who were building the wall, verse 17, those who carried burdens were loaded in such a way. Now when it says loaded in such a way, I'm thinking of some kind of a sling. You know, I mean, you, got, you have some kind of a sling. They're not just carrying stones. They're, they're going to load up and put stuff on a sling. They're going to carry it up and set it down. They loaded in such a way that each labored on the work with one hand and held his weapon or his missile with the other. And watch this, verse 18. And each of the builders, that's the leaders up here on the wall, had his sword strapped at his side while he built. So this guy maybe is on his hands and knees setting stones in place. He's got a sword right here in his belt. He's got both hands setting stones. This guy's got one hand carrying the sling and another one with some kind of a missile. So these guys have got one-on-one. This guy's got both hands working with a spear. And these guys are a completely different group with body armor, compound bows, and they're working with Nehemiah. So you see, see how that breaks down. Chapter 4, verse 19, And I said to the nobles and to the officials and the rest of the people, The work is great and widely spread, and we are separated on the wall far from one another. So they got this system working. They've got some guards in place, but they realize, like we said before, they're so spread out, you know, their, their clans, a thousand at each location are working, so spread out that if someone were to attack, now remember, where are they going to attack from? From the east, the south, the west? I mean, they're going to storm up out of the Kidron Valley. They're probably safe on the east side. They're going to storm up out of the Hinnom Valley. They're probably safe on the south side. They're going to storm out of the Central Valley. Could be, but probably not. They didn't knock the walls down in Nebuchadnezzar's day. They're probably going to come in from the north side, most likely. Again, that's where they attack from. So they're, you know, and there's, there's snipers with the compound bows all around watching for distance enemies. They're going to start shooting arrows. But they're probably looking out for this area. But nonetheless, he's got a trumpet. And if there is an attack, they're going to sound the trumpet and everyone rush to that place. Now, again, you can say, well, what happens if there's a multiple zones of attack? It could happen, but really the way the city of the reason it's built that way, there's only one side you can attack from. So they could be attacking from the Kidron Valley, but hey, good luck. You know, we just start throwing stones down at you. And so it's, it's not that at first everybody rushes to one side. What if it's a, a compound attack? That could happen, but probably not in Jerusalem. So anyway, that's something to think about. Uh, uh, chapter 4, verse 19, I said to the nobles and the officials, to the rest of the people, the work is great and widely spread out. We are separated on the wall, far from one another. In the place where you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there, our God will fight for us. So that gives you the impression this Nehemiah and his staff and his guards are probably up here in the hot area, the hot zone, while everyone else is spread out around where if there's a battle they'll, they'll go there but this is probably where the attacks would come from i mean that's me just speculating chapter 4 verse 21 so we labored at the work and half of them again chapter 4 verse 21 so we labored that i think is going back to this group right here these guys are doing their thing so we labored he goes right back up to here not talking about everybody back to his group 
So we labored at the work, and half of them held spears from the break of dawn until the stars came out. So that's Nehemiah and his group. I also said to the people at that time, let every man and his servant pass the night within Jerusalem. No more going home. Stay in the city. That, that they may be a guard for us by night and may labor by day. And again, that would stop on anyone being attacked, ambushed on the way to or from, or also having to have checkpoints. You know, how, what a great idea. Sandbullet come here, oh, we're all workers coming in, and all of a sudden they pull out swords and start killing people. It's like, no, there's no one coming in. No, if you're not in the city, you can't come in. No one's leaving. We're going to build a wall. And again, that's, why a wall, that's what a wall is for. Once the wall gets built, they shut the gates, and no one come in except through the gates. So neither I, and it wasn't just for everybody, those other people, but even Nehemiah says, so neither I, nor my brothers, nor my servants, nor the men of the guard who followed me, none of us took off our clothes, each kept his weapon at his right hand. And that took, again, 52 days, and they're building the wall there in 52 days. So that's chapter 4. Now, you understand that? That's chapter, not chapter 4. Now, this verse right here, this is the Gaza Strip right here today. You see that right there? This is an interesting verse. Zephaniah chapter 2, verse 3 through 7. Just think modern times. Just think news. Seek the Lord, all you humble of the land, who do his just commands. Seek righteousness. Seek humility. Perhaps you may be hidden on the day of the anger of the Lord. For Gaza shall be deserted, and Ashkelon shall become a desolation. Ashdod's people shall be driven out at noon, and Ekron shall be uprooted. Woe to you inhabitants of the seacoast, you nation of the Carathites. That's another name for the Philistines. This is parallel writing. The word of the Lord is against you, O Canaan, land of the Philistines, Gaza Strip. And I will destroy you until no inhabitant is left. And you, O seacoast, right here, shall be pastures with meadows for the shepherds and folds of, for flocks. The seacoast shall become the possession of the remnant of the house of Judah, on which they shall graze. And in the houses of Ashkelon, they shall lie down at evening, because they're no longer possessed by the Canaanites or the enemy. They're possessed now by Judah, who's taken occupation. We're resting in Ashkelon. For the Lord their God will be mindful of them and restore their fortunes. What a classy verse for this week. I will pray and we're free to go. Father, we do thank you for the chance to look into your word. We ask that we ourselves would apply this to our own lives, that we would not fear the enemy, that we'd have confidence in you, and that we would do our own part of doing the work that you've called us to. We do look for success. We do look for an opportunity to do the things you've called us to. And Father, we do again pray for our nation that we may see revival and in our churches that they may turn to the word of God and to the truth. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for your time.